0: Um, yeah. Welcome to RUF. RUF is a Christian ministry on campus. We're here for Christians and non-Christians to help you explore what it means to follow Jesus while in college. So if it's your first time especially, welcome. I'm really glad you're here and uh, I'm excited. I'm super excited. I'm kind of pumped out of my mind for this message tonight. I don't know why. It's a super cool passage. I'm really excited to preach it to you. and I'm just glad you're here. I know that you guys are busy. I know uh, some of you have a lot of things going on academics-wise, Greek-wise, otherwise. But you've made time to be here. Praise God for that. I'm glad for that. And uh, my name is Willis. I could say a lot of things. I'd love to meet with you sometime and uh, share some of my story, hear some of your story. The main thing I want you to know is that I'm not a good person. I'm not a good person, but Jesus loves me, and He loves you, and that changes everything. And one of the ways Jesus shares his love for you is by telling you the truth about yourself. The truth you can't get any other way. He tells you the truth, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And tonight, it's mainly the bad and the ugly. <laughs> so don't walk out, though. Uh, there's immense hope in seeing the truth about ourselves. And um, yeah, so we are in this series on a revelation. Next 10 weeks, I guess nine more weeks now. We're in Revelation, last book of the Bible, and in it we can see Jesus like never before. We can see ourselves like never before. So this week, the bad and the ugly about ourselves. Imagine a hot day in spring term, okay? Spring term, summer's coming, it's hot. You're out with your friends, you're sweating, you're doing something fun, so you grab a cold one, you know, Dr. Pepper, maybe a beer. I'm not judging, I don't know. And uh, you take a long swig, but it's lukewarm. It's brackish, it's flat, it's disgusting. You spit it out. We hate lukewarm. It turns out God hates lukewarm too. right? God says, I can handle hot. Hot's good. I can handle cold. But I hate lukewarm. And tonight, God is warning us, you're lukewarm. Why? So that we'll be blessed by repentance. So where are we going to go tonight? What's wrong with you and how can you get right? What's wrong with you? How can you get right? Let's pray. Father God, we ask, Lord, that you would speak your truth to us from your word. This is not about me and my ideas, my opinions. Um, Thank goodness, Lord, this is about you and your message for us, the message of revelation that you send to the churches, to us today. Jesus, don't leave us unchanged. Do your work in us. Open our dead hearts. Help us to hear. Open our deaf ears, help us to understand. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, first, some context for those of you who maybe aren't, you know, reading. If you want to read along Revelation with us this semester, do that. That's awesome. Uh, We're going to kind of follow along with the book. We're in chapter 3 today. But to kind of bring us up to speed, Revelation, the whole book's a letter. It's a letter to the churches of Asia, by which is meant basically modern-day Turkey. Seven churches, seven letters, one to each in chapters two and three. This is the last one. So basically, I just went through, I read the letters, and I was like, which one, because they describe the churches in there. I was like, which one sounds like us? Which one sounds like me? Which one sounds like my students here at WNL? and And this is it, guys. This is the letter that sounds the most like us. It's to the church in Laodicea. Laodicea. Uh, these are people, Christians, a church in Laodicea. So they claim to be Christians. And um, in this letter, he tells them something's wrong with them. Verse 15, I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. Would that you, means like, I wish that you were either cold or hot. Jesus says, would that you were either cold or hot. So lukewarm, notice this, lukewarm is worse in Jesus' eyes than cold. Cold is like lifeless, dead, not a Christian. You know, living in disobedience to Jesus. Hot obviously means alive, zealous for God. You'd think lukewarm would be like in between, kind of, but it's not. Jesus says, it's the worst. I wish you were cold or hot, but instead you're lukewarm, which is the worst. Why is lukewarm the worst? He tells us, for you say, I'm rich, I have prospered, I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. They think they're fine, maybe better than fine, but actually they're desperately needy. Lukewarm is the worst because lukewarm denies reality. It sits on the fence. It has one foot in the light and one foot in the dark. Turns out, you can march all the way to hell with one foot in the light and one foot in the dark. People do it every day. That's what the church in Laodicea was doing. And listen up, y'all, based on the description in this passage, that's what a lot of you are doing. That's offensive, Jesus. Here I am, sitting in RUF. You know, during my week, I'm trying not to. You know, trying not to look at porn. I'm trying not to be lazy. I'm trying to work hard, trying to be a good person. Maybe I'm even going to church, trying to read my Bible, trying to pray, trying, you know, not to gossip, trying to be nice to my friends. I'm trying to be a good Christian. And Jesus has the audacity to tell you that actually you may be aimed at damnation. Maybe you're not actually trying to do any of those things I just said. You're You're like, no, no, no. Like, maybe some of those people are trying not to do all those bad things. Actually, for me, I'm more like just kind of doing what i want here but you convince yourself you're still a pretty good person you've got some kind of a standard and you're pretty much meeting it and you feel pretty good about the way things are going jesus has a different take on your life you may be aimed at damnation i told you guys in this book revelation we're here to see jesus like never before he's not interested in making you happy he's interested in making you holy he doesn't mind offending you up and down if it wakes you up into eternal life He's totally willing to make you miserable for a couple years to give you perfect joy for eternity. And just in case some of you born-again Christians who are sitting here are like, okay, great, another sermon is for like all the lost pagan people here. You know, I'm gonna start tuning out. Remember who this letter is written to. It's written to the church. It's written to Christians in Laodicea. People who in the first century, by the way, they risked their lives. To claim the name of Jesus. So, in terms of like being a good Christian, they got all of us beat. And Jesus says to them, look out. To them and to us, any who straddles the fence, Jesus says, it makes me sick. It makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. Jesus can, listen to this guys, listen up. Jesus can handle your drunkenness, your sexual history, your sexual present, your addiction, your dependence on yourself and not Jesus. He can handle your lying, your cheating, stealing, pride, anger, lust, gluttony, manipulation, self-obsession, apathy, gossip, the secret thing you did last Saturday night. He can handle all of that. He died on the cross to pay for that sin with His blood. It's totally handled. It wasn't easy, but He did it because He loves you. It's right there, verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent. Okay, but, so he can handle all the sins we do, but if you pretend that any of the things that you do, any of those things are okay, if they're manageable, you know, maybe no big deal because they don't seem to really hurt anybody. If you kind of feel like you got it under control, maybe you can like address that in three or four years and you're out of college, you know, when you want to get married, have a family, whatever. If that's the way you feel, Jesus is warning you, people who think like that, I spit them out of my mouth. Verse 17, he says, we're wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked. Not physically, not tangibly. This isn't talking about your relationships, you know, your mental health, uh, your academics, your career, even your emotions. When he says we're this way, he's talking about the true condition of your eternal person, apart from Jesus, before the God who made you. He's talking about who you will be without Jesus when you stand before the throne of heaven, when either you die or he comes again. Wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, naked, because you're a sinner, guys. You can impress people with your... Performance. You can dazzle people with your beauty. You can seduce people with your words, with your body. You can fool people with your mask. You can win friends and influence people with your behavior. You can even look pretty good to yourself when you look in the mirror. But God sees what we find so hard to see about ourselves. He sees our sin. Proverbs 15.3 The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. 1 Samuel 16.7 For the Lord sees, not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Hebrews 4.13 Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. He sees it all. The heaps and piles and filing cabinets full of the sins that all of us has done and keeps on doing Uh, we can't do away with them. We can't wash them away with good behavior. It's just all there, sitting there, exposed in his sight. If you're the kind of person who's permissive of their own sin, like me, we're all permissive of our own sin. Jesus says, you're lukewarm, guys. You're at risk of being spit out of his mouth. So that's what's wrong. What do you do with that? Here's what you do with that, guys. Get honest with yourself. Get honest with God. Yeah, this is like, this is weird. I don't know. Countercultural. If you've never done a personal inventory of your sin, the dark nooks and cr- crannies of your own heart, it's worth the effort, guys. Just uh, warning, it's going to take a while and you'll never stop adding to it. Do that, okay? Sin loves to hide, to lurk in the darkness. So just drag it out into the light and be like, yep, that, that's what I got going on inside me. You can start with the seven deadly sins. Um, (laughs) It's kind of a misnomer, every sin is deadly, but these seven are a good place to start. Lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, pride. The fact that we don't use these words often, or maybe even know what all of them mean, is evidence of the fact that we don't think enough about sin and the reality of who we are. So make that list. Listen guys, I love Jesus. I've been following him for like more than a decade. Uh, I'm a pastor. Every single one of the sins on that list, they lurk in my heart and my life in a substantial way. So, like, if, if I can admit that, we can admit that. Okay, we can be people who want to follow Jesus and be honest with what's going on in our hearts. I keep telling you, I'm not a good person. Turns out, none of us are. So, that's what's wrong with you, with me, how can you get Right? where's the gospel this is just bad news okay (laughs) really really bad news where's the good news where's the gospel how can you get right repent you get right with god by repenting so define that repentance is not we think it's turning from bad behavior to good behavior i do these bad things so i got to try really hard and do these good things we think that's repentance that's not repentance Repentance is not stopping sinning and starting to do good stuff. Repentance is turning from sin to Jesus. Turning from sin to Jesus because only Jesus can make you right with God. So don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that like, to get right with God, you've got to find some way to like repent good enough to where you earn His forgiveness. I'm saying the only way you can be right with God is Jesus, so turn to Him. <clears throat> some of you are like, okay, Another sermon about repentance. I've heard about 10 of these. Like, I think I get it. I understand, like, what's supposed to go on here. But I want to show you something new tonight, okay? And Revelation loves to do that. He wants, God wants to show us the beauty, the opportunity, the healing, the wealth that becomes ours in repentance. No amount of feeling bad about how much of a sinner you are is ever going to lead you to repentance. And that's not what God's trying to do here. He's not trying to make you feel bad about your sins that you can just like walk around feeling super guilty and like that's how he wants Christians to be. No, he's trying to make you greedy for the abundance that is available to you through repentance. Verse 18, look at it, it's right here. Verse 18, he says, I counsel you, so that's what's wrong. So what? What do you do? I counsel you, buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may, may not be seen and salve to anoint, that's a hard word to say, salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Jesus is saying, I got the solution to your problem, right? You're poor, I have gold refined by fire and you can be rich, so buy it. You're wretched, pitiable, naked. I have white garments that you can clothe yourself with and, and not be ashamed anymore, buy some. He says, you're blind, I've got salve that will make your eyes see. You can actually see, you won't be blind anymore. Buy it. Jesus to- This is kind of weird. Okay, so what's going on? Jesus just told these people that they think they're super wealthy, they've got it all together, they got what they need. He just told them, actually, you don't have anything. You are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind. And then he tells them to like come to him and buy something. How can they buy something if they don't have anything? What's going on here? It makes no sense until we read this passage in the light of the rest of the Bible. Okay? That's how Revelation is meant to be read. Isaiah 55.1 says, Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. God has always wanted His people to get something from Him that they can never afford. If you will realize that you are lost, hopeless, helpless, with nothing to offer, and turn from your sin and your own best efforts and your own obsession with like, what you do and what you can earn and how good or bad you're doing, if you'll turn from that instead to rely on Jesus, like a drowning man who's grasping at a life buoy, man, what does Jesus do? He hooks up the truck and the trailer, backs it up, and unloads all the wealth of heaven in your front yard. That's what he does. So what is that wealth? Every sin paid for by Jesus Christ on the cross, yours in Christ to those who repent. All of Christ's righteousness, his perfect record, perfect life, never sinned, all of that marked down to your account, that's yours in Christ to those who repent. The constant presence of the Holy Spirit to comfort and guide, yours in Christ to those who repent. United with Christ so strongly that you could never be lost. He'll never let you go. Yours in Christ to those who repent. Peace that surpasses all understanding and abides even when you're going through hell. Yours in Christ to those who repent. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yours in Christ to those who repent. Eternal, never-ending life with God in this world made perfect. The homecoming of homecomings. Yours in Christ to those who repent. Not because you earned it. Because he earned it for you. And he loves to give it to those who know they need it. Remember, the currency of the kingdom isn't earning, it's grace. It gets even better, guys. Verse 20 Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in to him and eat with him, and he with me. He wants to be with you. That first part seemed a little transactional. And you're like, I want a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you, he wants to come into your house. And sit down and have a meal with you he's knocking the way you open the door is repentance it gets even better verse 21 the one who conquers i will grant him to sit with me on my throne as i also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne what (laughs) stop and like think about what this is saying this is nuts to the one who conquers sneak peek to the you know the rest of the book that's every single person who repents is the one who conquers because he will bring you to the point of victory to the one who conquers the king of heaven scoots over and makes room for you on his throne that is nuts this is where we see god's heart right maybe before we got kind of offended i like the way he tells us the truth about ourselves maybe we hate the thought of repenting like that sounds just awful i do not want to do that Uh maybe we still love our sin. It's like, okay, I kind of like to repent, but like honestly, I'm really enjoying my life right now. But look at the God who calls you to repentance. He wants to be with you and he offers you everything he has. He's got everything. And he offers you his throne to rule with him. That's a really good trade, you guys. That's a really good trade. This sin for now, or the throne of God for eternity a good trade. Make the trade. right? Make it. Make that trade. How? How do we do that? When God gives you the gift of feeling guilty, this world is not going to ever say that guilt is a good thing. Okay. The world that we live in is going to say, you feel guilty? You need to squash that like a bug. You need to like find some kind of way to feel great about yourself. That's a lot of pressure actually. When God gives you the gift of feeling guilty for things that actually are wrong actually things that make that literally make you guilty when he gives you that gift stop what you're doing get alone hit your knees our bodies are connected to our souls and tell god lord i know that what i just did i know it's a sin against you i hate that i did that i hate that i love to do that lord please help me to live for you Thank you for forgiving me in Jesus Christ. This is not you like trying to fund some kind of special way to convince God that you're super sorry and like you're beating yourself up, like, ugh. Uh. He doesn't want that. He's not interested in that. He wants you to believe that you are forgiven in Christ and to walk out of that prayer with your head held high, not like morose for a few days until you kind of get some good deeds under your belt so you can feel good about Jesus again. He wants you to stand up and walk around like God is smiling at you because He is reminding yourself that you are forgiven, innocent, loved by God, cherished by your Heavenly Father. Believe it and get help believing it. We need help, guys. That's what God's Word is, is a reminder that you're loved by God. That's what prayer is, communion with the Father who loves you. That's what this is, a community of people who can help us remember that we are not defined by our worst deeds. We're defined by the God who loves us and does away with our worst deeds. Remind yourself of the fact that if you trust that Jesus has made you right with God, you're right with God. Period. It's like that Mumford and Sons song. If I say I love you, I love you. He says he loves you. He loves you. Truly holy holy people, they don't walk around feeling holy. They definitely don't walk around feeling guilty. They walk around feeling forgiven. Amen. Trust Jesus. Repent. Be blessed. Be forgiven. Amen. Let's pray.